and welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. I'm a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. Now, whilst their European counterparts are rebranding and shifting focus to become cleaner, greener energy companies, the oil majors in the US are doubling down on fossil fuels with two huge deals announced in October. ExxonMobil is buying Pioneer Resources, whilst its peer Chevron is buying Hess. To talk more about this, I'm joined by Carlos Martinez, who's the Canada editor for Merger Market. Hi, Carlos. Thanks for joining me today. Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me. So can you begin by giving us a few more details about these two massive deals, both of which are for more than $50 billion? Yes, of course. So excellent deal for Pioneer, uh, $59 and $60 billion. Uh, the third largest deal in oil and gas history. Uh, it's been coming for a while. It, it had been rumored back in, in June, uh, the biggest deal since its merger with Movell. And basically, it has to do with um, gaining um, acreage in, in, in the Permian and the shale formations in the US. And then following that deal, Chevron announced it's so acquisition of Hess for $53 billion. Uh, and that deal, yes, there's a, a shale sort of element to it, but basically it's um, gaining access to uh, offshore oil reserves in Guyana, which is the next uh, big frontier in oil and gas in the Americas. Uh, so both huge deals uh, and it's sort of starting a new wave of um, M&A, at least in the Americas. Yeah, and they're, and they're both such big deals and both in a very short space of time. Were they watching each other to see what the other party were doing or was it just pure coincidence that both these deals were announced within weeks of each other? Uh, what, what we know is, um, I think independently, they were both looking at um, acquiring different things. Accident, as I mentioned, has to do more with um, bolstering its presence in, in, in shale. Um, Exxon is betting that its technology and size will be able to pump more oil um, more cheaply than uh, Pioneer. And I guess in Chevron, it wanted to get a, a sort of foot, uh, foot in the ground for uh, Ankujana. So different elements, but, but I think uh, they both have in common that both companies realize fossil fuels are going to be here for short, medium term, and and whilst for the last couple of years, oil and gas companies were giving back money to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks, now they're seeing the time of they have to increase production, and they haven't been doing a lot of new projects. Uh, the only way to increase production is through acquisitions. Yeah, and it's really interesting because the deals run counter to a massive focus on ESG and net zero. Can you tell me a bit more about what investors and other stakeholders make of these deals? I get the impression the approach by European and US investors and corporates is very different, with the European companies focusing more on the the kind of greener energy space, although they have kind of rode back slightly following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But yeah, can you kind of talk through where ESG and net zero fit into these deals, if at all? Yes. Um, and I think it, it, it sort of you touched on it. The, the world is a different place 
uh, that when it was a few years back, uh, ago. So back in 2021, uh, the big news was um, Engine number one, an activist investor, uh, gained a pretty fierce battle with Exxon to have three seats on the board. And, and the campaign was based on criticism on, on the company's um, role in in combating um, climate change. So back in 2021, everyone was thinking, it's it's probably, we're looking at the end of the fossil fuel industry. All of the companies, not yes European, but US companies uh, were sort of the big message to investors was we're diversifying, we're investing in renewables. Some of them were investing in green hydrogen, sort of diversifying themselves away from fossil fuels. But then since then, we've had the war in Ukraine, we have sort of another sort of war in Israel, uh, sort of supply chain uh, bottlenecks. And it's sort of since then, even though ESG is still an element, we've seen investors pulled a net of $2.7 billion from U.S. sustainable investment funds. And some U.S. funds dropped ESG-related terms from their names. Uh, basically, that, that sort of the world realized we're going to need fossil fuels for the sort of next several years. Um, energy security is another element uh, that is sort of pushing those deals forward. Uh, we saw what happened uh, with the war in Ukraine, what happened in Russia and Europe and countries realizing we need to have that energy security. And in, in terms of the U.S., they have shale already. Um, it, it's not that they have to go to another corner of the world looking for oil, as it happened decades ago. It's it's already there. There. Uh, the only problem is that the all the shale acreage is already owned by someone else. Uh, so it's not that you can go and lease a piece of land and start pumping oil. You have to go and buy someone that already owns that piece of land. Uh, so that's why we're seeing M and A. That's why it's a shift away from ESG. I think sort of the companies were very clear in saying we're not abandoning ESG, but at the same time, fossil fuel, uh, as one investor told us, uh, there's sort of, unfortunately, there's money to be made in fossil fuel still, and companies are going to uh, do uh, money. Uh, they were in a big, in a, in a incredibly well position. They, they had a, a bunch of money uh, because of the sort of increase in oil price. They had already given back money to shareholders, uh, great dividends, uh, buying back shareholders. So without all that war chest, basically it was logical for them to start buying. I, I think personally, I think um, that they took too long to, to do some M&A deals, but finally it, it's here. And I think we're going to see uh, more, more deals, obviously not, sort of near to the size of Exxon and yes, but we're going to see deals. It's going to trickle down down the market. Great. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But can we bring Glencore into the conversation, a company that I wrote a lot about in the past? The commodity trader and mining group has announced its own big deal in the fossil fuel space by acquiring 77% of tech steelmaking or metallurgical coal business linked to these um, oil, big oil deals because it's, it's fossil fuel still. Where does the tech deal fit into the wider picture in Canada in terms of, the, in terms of strategic or critical minerals? 
Yes. Uh, so I think that is part of uh, Glencore's uh, deal is part of, we've also seen some m deals in the natural resources space in Canada, mining and oil and gas. And Glencore and tech, uh, so we have to, to remember they've been sort of dancing for a while together. Glencore bid for all of tech uh, a while back. Uh, tech rejected that. But most importantly, uh, not only did tech rejected the bid, but also there were voices inside uh, the Canadian government saying, uh, we're not comfortable with a foreign company taking over tech because tech um, is mining critical minerals for the um, sort of um, EB revolution, electric vehicle revolution, the minerals used for uh, in the renewable industry, um, electric vehicles. And Canada wasn't comfortable with having a foreign um, company taking over that. So even if tech had agreed to sell itself to Glencore uh, a few months back, it wasn't entirely sure the government would have allowed the deal to go forward. Now, um, sort of since that happened. Tech wanted to split the company in two. It sort of didn't go through with that plan. It didn't have the uh, investor support for that. It started selling it. It's um, still coal mine a business. Uh, that's where Blinker comes in. And and sort of the interesting part about this is the the Canadian government seems to be saying, yeah, we don't have a problem with that. Uh, sort of that is a, a more um, not ESG friendly part yeah, of the business. Yeah, I'm about to say a dirty, exactly. dirty part of a the business. Dirty part of the business. We don't care who owns that. That's fine. As long as the critical mineral part of tech, it's still Canadian. We're, we're happy with that. It doesn't seem we haven't heard any voices from sort of uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau cabinet saying, oh, we have a problem with this deal. No, it seems it, it's going to go go through. And um, it's, it's again, it's it's part of that industry shift of saying, Yes, we're still interested in ESG, but there, there's still money to be made. Either sort of it's it's oil or it's or it's dirty coal, as as they call it. Um, so it's interesting. I think for Glencore, it's a second sort of prize. It wanted all of tech. It ended up with part of tech. Um, so yes, and and I think again, it, it it's it's the mindset of the companies and investor um, world saying. Um, this energy transition, it is going to happen. But in the meantime, there's still deals to be made in, in sort of legacy uh, businesses, oil and coal and, and, and the rest. Great. Thank you. And can we just finish off by looking at how these deals, the Glencore tech deal and the two big oil deals, are likely to trickle down into smaller scale M&A in North America, please? Yes, of course. Um, so we've reported extensively at this. And what's going to happen is... Again, uh, at the forefront of the industry, you have Exxon, Chevron, Glencore, the big ones. And, and the, the smaller, mid-sized companies, they're seeing this as a window of opportunity to get deals done. And especially private equity firms that have been holding to oil and gas, perhaps mining companies for a while, um, haven't been able to sell. And now they see there's a window of opportunity to sell. What's going to happen is... Smaller companies are trying to make deals between themselves to gain size to be attractive for the next big one. Medium-sized companies 
are again trying to make deals to become bigger targets. So everyone's starting to become as attractive as they can uh, for the potential suitor. So we're going to see a bunch of deals. Uh, hopefully, you're going to see a bunch of deals in private equity from pi- private equity back companies. Sorry, um, they've been having a hard time. Uh, so divesting those uh, portfolio companies, so they'll 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 pounce on the opportunity, and and hopefully this is gonna sort of turn a ship. We hadn't seen a lot of MA deals in the oil and gas industry. It was more um, logical uh, sort of deals from adjacent acreage or, or, or land. Now we're seeing more strategic um, deals, which is. I mean, especially talking for a merger market, it's great for sort of chasing deals. Uh, but I think it's also great for the, for the industry. Um, one of the, the many worries was um, reserves for, from companies. There were, there were fewer reserves and they weren't doing a lot of exploration out there. Again, as I said, they were mostly investing money or throwing money back at shareholders. Now with sort of M&A, they're going to start producing more oil, which at the end of the day, we all need, uh, given that the world, again, it's a different world from back in 2021. Great. Carlos, good to talk to you again. Thanks very much. That was Carlos Martinez, Canada editor for Merger Markets. Thanks for listening to Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alerts. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us again next week.